Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we're waiting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a uh, second episode of the Golf and Filter podcast this week. I am welcomed, or I am joined, or we welcome Mr. Chris Cheney from Swing by Swing. We've had him on the show in the past. Chris, how are you today? Good, Adam. How are you, man? Doing well, and it's pretty tongue-tied, obviously, getting going here. You can tell how, uh, nothing but a professional podcast here, folks. <laughs> but uh, we welcome Chris back. We want to, uh, you know, Chris wanted to have you on. Uh, talk a little bit about the major championship season as a whole. Uh, we have four first-time winners this year, and uh, really looking forward to you know your your takes uh, on each of those winners. But first and foremost, let's kind of start off with uh, Mr. Jimmy Walker uh, in the PGA Championship. Uh, was this the most boring tournament that you've ever seen, or it was just me? Uh, I mean. Most boring major of the year by far, but I don't know most boring ever. I mean, there's there's some snoozers always, but in terms of majors, it just seemed like almost like a doubly of a letdown with with how true was and how awesome that was. Just to have basically 36 holes of golf on Sunday where you're expecting fireworks, everything to be happening, and it's basically a snooze fest. So, I mean, I guess, I guess three for four is not bad though. Yeah, it, it was pretty. I don't know what it was. I mean, I thought they were going to get the tournament in on monday i did not think they were going to be able to finish all 36 on sunday especially after all the weather reports i was hearing on saturday of this past weekend but you know apparently the the grounds crew at uh Baltusrol worked their magic and got that course in what appeared to be pretty good condition yeah decent enough i guess i mean it, like you said it's crazy that they were able to even finish on time kind of relatively within the broadcast window as well so i know people were up in arms saturday with the lack of preparation by the PGA of America for split tees and whatever else you want to do, but um, worked out well for them. And then you get you get all 36 in, you get a champion Sunday night. Um, not much else you can ask for, really. Yeah, that's pretty true. And it turned out to be a, you know, I, I, I poke jest. You know, I wasn't the most fascinating tournament, at least in my perspective, and especially not with Jimmy Walker winning. Nothing against Jimmy, but he's just not the most flashy golfer out there. Uh, but we we saw a little drama at the end there, especially with Jason Day making eagle on his 18th hole, really forcing Walker to make par, otherwise going to a uh, to a playoff. What were were you able to to see uh, Jason Day make that eagle, or were you a bum like me, half falling asleep in your recliner? <laughs> no, I mean I. Luckily for me, it was uh, my one-year-old's dinner time a little around there. So I was up on dad duty when, when the tournament technically started. So that worked out well because nice. uh, uh, maybe like you, I, w- I, I was fighting kind of the heavy eyes early in the, in the day. So that worked out well for me. I got to see maybe, I mean, at least at least two holes of drama uh, for, for that 72-hole tournament. Yeah, and I, I don't really think there was anything else worth watching. I, I do remember – Tuning, I would just so happen to be off on Thursday from work, and I just so happened to turn on the, the stream 
uh, which is, in my opinion, the worst way to watch golf when you're at home. If you're at work and you're at your cube and you want to watch, you know, a little mini screen on your computer, then the internet streams great. But for me, I was trying to find a way that I could, you know, eat breakfast, drink coffee, watch the laptop all at the same time, just in time Thursday morning to watch Rory McIlroy and Phil Mickelson basically shit down their legs <laughs> for oh, the man. entire morning. Just, just not yeah. good golf. Yeah, I mean, you'd think, I mean, given all the steps that kind of the, the big players in, in golf digitally have made with kind of the, their Twitter accounts and everything that they've been doing you think the next step has to be something kind of getting a an app on an xbox or kind of just any smart kind of tv that we can at least put the put the golf on tv even if you're going to stream it you're not going to make it available put it so we can watch it on tv and then use our laptops for the second screen because we know golf twitter's always working hard and uh it's kind of hard to, to flip back and forth if you don't have two computers or ipad your phone all that other stuff working too and that's actually the whole crux of the thing you know and the whole reason why i i hate watching on my laptop for the exact reason you just pulled up. I mean, I love to have Twitter open. It's the way to do it nowadays. And I have Chromecast. I have a way to stream it to my television, but mm -hmm. it just adds another layer of buffering that for some reason never works well for me. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're you're watching uh, on your second screen, your phone, your iPad, your laptop, whatever it may be. Something, go, something happens. People start tweeting about it. And inevitably, I'm sure it's all correlated too. I mean, I'm not a tech junkie or anything like that but you all you, all, you get the little spinning buffering everything stops and I'm sure everybody's trying to get on to see what happened but no one gets to see anything so no, I mean, go ahead it's, it's, but we gotta gotta talk what we can get yeah and we're, we're talking of these are the problems that we're faced with <laughs> these days yeah, well. yeah first world problems <laughs> yeah i don't have enough screens open so i can watch what yeah, the right. twitter's is saying um but anyway back to the tournament uh, so we get to uh, Jimmy Walker makes birdie on a uh, great birdie on 17 and he steps up to the 18th tee having to make par and he, he pulls an iron off the tee which I think was a, a extremely smart play for him he, he busted down there about 230 Jimmy Walker being one of a sneaky long player on tour a lot of people don't really realize how far he hits the ball but then his his approach shot club choice I don't know how I feel about it hitting fairway wood which it ended up working out okay, but how did you feel about his uh, his three wood pull there for the approach? Yeah, it kind of. I mean, I'm, I've bounced that back and forth, just kind of thinking about it, writing about it, and stuff like that. Especially the uber conservative play took off the tee. It didn't even look like he took like a, a two or a three iron, whatever he would have in his bag. He took something to keep that water where it kind of sneaks in close to the left side of that fairway, completely out of play. He was way back, uh, and it just looked like he's fine playing playing it as a three shot par five, and then. Um, I mean, preferred lies in the fairway. You got that looking at you, so you can you can lay it up, replace your ball, get everything you need, have it sitting sitting perfectly for your little approach into a short par five as it is. But on the other hand, there's all these stats out there about going for it in two, getting as close to the green as you can, and it's a better chance to make a lower score. Uh, so I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of of two minds about it. I mean, it makes sense. There's no real trouble um, in terms of hazards or anything up around the green. It's just some thicker rough, some bunkers and and basically a, a backstop all the way around the green. So and on that side, it makes sense. Um, but knowing exactly what happened after uh, making that birdie on 17, Jason Day couldn't catch him with a par. He knew that. He just needed a par. So I think uh, it worked out for him. I don't think it's anything too kind of crazy uh, to pull the three-wood there. He literally had to cold top it like a 15 handicap to put himself into any real trouble uh, and take par out of the equation. So uh, obviously he took – took that three wood 
bonded up there next to the uh, the spectators and hit the, the safe flop to the middle of the green two putts later, and Jimmy Walker has a Wanamaker trophy. Yeah, it's crazy, and I, I I don't know who said it. It may have been Justin Ray on uh, Twitter said that Walker, who was left with a three-footer for par and the championship, had yeah. been perfect, what, 36 for 36 with it within three feet? That's just insane. Yeah, it's like almost like he tried to do the announcer curse, but I mean, no one, none of the people on CBS's broadcast team caught it in time to, to fill that in. But <laughs> Justin's awesome; he pulls that stuff up all the time. He's he's great at his job. He yeah, makes those guys on Golf Channel. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but he makes them look much better than they probably are. Absolutely, great follow on Twitter. And so Jimmy Walker wins his first major, and that was a trend throughout the season for all the major championships. Danny Willett, of course, at the Masters, and everyone remembers the meltdown at Augusta, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit with Jordan Spieth. Then, of course, we got Dustin Johnson winning his first major, long overdue, at the U.S. Open, followed by just a few weeks later, it seems, and I guess it was a few weeks later with (laughs) Henrik Stenson at the Open Championship, and then literally two weeks after that, we've got Jimmy Walker. So four first-time winners, Chris, none of the big three. Is, Is that a shocking thing to you, or is that just a, a commentary on the parody of golf these days? I think it's the, the latter, the commentary on the parody in golf, because, I mean, even when you talk to the, the big three, as we call them, and which is fun to kind of just piss some people off with that, but it, but <laughs> they don't buy into it. They know how good these people are, everyone top 25, top 30 in the world. I mean, what, Jimmy Walker's 48 coming in this week, and, I mean, he was a surprise winner, but not like – there's no way Jimmy Walker can win a major, that kind of guy. So um, I think it's yeah, it's just a, it's just a commentary. The picking a major winner or being a major winner for that matter is such a long shot. You have to have your game peaking perfectly for four days a year. There's 12 days out of the calendar year where you have to play your best golf and better than everybody else's. It just it's the odds to win a major and the fact that people win multiple majors when you kind of just go statistically straight from the numbers is insane. Yeah. And then to have three solid major, four solid major winners, uh, it's not surprising. I don't think I don't think anybody you tell. I mean, Danny Will, it's a little bit of an unknown, but he, he was getting trumpeted up pretty good ahead of the Masters, long ahead of the Masters when he had some pretty long odds. Um, and then so him winning or him being there at least wasn't wasn't a surprise there. That was obviously Spieth um, and his his seven out twelve. Um, but yeah, then you got DJ Stenson. Um, Two thoroughbreds, fucking monsters. Uh, they're they're just good players, and so the same thing with with Jimmy Walker, a five-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's he's not a flash in the pan. So I mean, no offense to your boy Sean McKeel, but um, <laughs> these guys, these guys, these guys are studs. These guys are borderline, with the exception of Willett, borderline Hall of Famers. I I mean, take take Walker out too, but okay. So just two of them, DJ and Stenson are are two are two thoroughbreds. They're they're guys. Um, who, who could who could foreseeably forge a way into the Hall of Fame at the end of the day or at the end of their careers? And uh, Willett and Willett and Jimmy Walker are are no slouches either. Yeah, and uh, Sean, don't worry, Chris didn't mean that. <laughs> if you're listening, didn't. He, he didn't mean that. I didn't. Uh, he was he was a great interview. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right though. I mean, it, it seems like of the four. Obviously, Johnson and Stenson were the two that, if you had to pick someone other than Spieth, McElroy, or Day, one of those two would be a fine pick. I mean, obviously, you got Fowler that's kind of floating around. He's had a shitty year this year, but uh, you've also got uh, guys like Bubba Watson and a few others that you can kind of throw into that conversation. But I agree. I mean, Dustin Johnson, long overdue. He finally kind of 
got over that hump after having come so close so many times already. Uh, do we see him maintaining that type of, of consistency? I mean, what is it now? Like uh, Dustin Johnson with nine years in a row that he's got a PGA Tour win? That's incredible. Yeah, the Dustin Johnson case study, if you will, is just it's it's bizarre to me the narratives, the hashtag narratives that come out with how he's he's like empty upstairs, but then he wins and it's it's a it's a calming presence and a great asset to have. So it's like you can't have it both ways. Um, I think I mean I think it's a convenient crutch for a narrative to kind of call DJ just just some gorilla hit ball, see ball, hit ball, whatever he. He's obviously he's got an underrated short game. He's he's solid around the greens. Uh, this week, notwithstanding, he can putt just with some of the best people on tour. And um, I mean, Stenson the same thing. His his whole story is him and Lee Westwood are kind of just crazy. The their highs and lows and how they fall off the face of the earth and get back to. I mean, for for Westwood number one, Stenson's five right now. It's uh it's pretty crazy. Just but. It's the same thing. You hot putter with like for a guy like Stenson, same thing we saw this week with Matsuyama. Um, he's kind of cut from that same cloth. They're just guys who just smoke every shot right out of the middle of the club face. Um, catch one week with the with the putter like Stenson had last week, when, or I'm sorry, two, two, three weeks ago, whatever it was, when he was unconscious on the greens. There, there's no beating him. Um, it's kind of I think Adam Sarson said on Twitter something. There's going to be a, there's going to be a one week not too far away where where Hideki Matsuyama um, just can't miss a putt and he's going to win by eight or nine shots just by the, the quality of his ball striking. Yeah. And you know, a guy like Dustin Johnson who finds himself at the top of the Ryder cup rankings at this point, you know, he, he's a guy that I don't know what it is. And your point is well taken. I mean, you can't have best, the best of both worlds with a guy like him. You're just going to get what you get with a, a player like Dustin Johnson. And I know that's cliche as hell to say, but you know, this is a guy that, just goes out. He does what he does. He's got his strengths. I think what the, the joke on Twitter not too long ago is the fact that he just now very recently started practicing his wedges. <laughs> yeah. just, it's not a joke. It's, he, he said that. Oh it's not even God. a joke. Like it's, he's, he literally said in his press conference, he bought a track man and he's practicing <laughs> his wedges for his first time on well, since he's been on tour. And like oh. you said, he's won every year since he's been out of Coastal. It's, it's, it's insane that for as long as he hits the ball, he literally all he has into any of these holes are wedges, and he doesn't practice them. It's just mind-boggling. That kind of leads to that. Kind of makes me kind of think twice about that previous narrative. But you know yeah. what? He figured it out. He got the track man, and it's he's beautiful. Just I get the track man to see how far I hit my wedges, and well, that's pretty much that's genius. I mean, you buy a track man, see how far the ball's flying, and take that to the course. Write it down. Have have your boy AJ, who can't do numbers, write that down so he doesn't forget it. And uh, <laughs> there you go. There's a major. I, I just don't get him, but he's fun to watch nonetheless. And I and I hope he does the same in 2017. And then Stenson, the Open Championship winner. I mean, here's a guy that everyone talks so much. His hashtag narrative is his uh, nuclear three wood. And I, I just, you know, he's a guy that super fun to be around. I've only had the opportunity to speak to him one time, but he's just absolutely hysterical. Guys on tour seem to love him on both tours, actually. And, you know, what about his game? That, you know, obviously him and Mickelson kind of put themselves in a different stratosphere for the Open Championship compared to the rest of the field. But is he a type of guy that's only going to be able to peak every so often like we saw this year? Or do you see him maybe having not the same type of performance in 2017, but able to put himself in that position again to win another major? 
I think he's definitely going to – he definitely has the game to be around. I think we saw that a few years ago when he kind of went on that tear to win the FedEx Cup. He – I mean, even this week, he's coming off his first major with, with literally a week in between uh, where he heads back home to Sweden, gets bombarded by the press there naturally, being the first guy from Sweden to win a major, flies back to the United States and shows up. Uh, literally, I think he, he didn't – he didn't he was in, in that PGA Championship until kind of down the stretch where stuff wasn't falling. He kind of just looked like he was like, all right, I did my part this year. Uh, we'll just kind of cruise control on in. Um, he lost those kind of crazy eyes he had earlier in the day. Um, but, I mean, he, 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 there's no reason he can't – he can get hot for a month straight, two months straight, like we, like I said, like we saw back when he claimed that FedEx Cup title. Um, I think I, he's, he's just – he's always been one of my favorite players just because he hits the ball. Literally, he has a one-yard draw or a one-yard fake. He doesn't work the ball. Everybody works the ball, Tiger says, except for Henrik Stenson. Yeah, it's dead straight, and it's almost kind of, you know, Adam Scott's got a little bit of that in him, at least off the tee as well. I swear to God, Adam Scott hits the straightest tee ball I've ever seen in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the protrage uh, yeah. uh, era that we're, we now live in. But, um, you know, and of course, we've already kind of talked about Jimmy Walker, and, and I, you know, I don't want to go too much into Danny Willett because I just kind of see that as being a fluke, and everybody everybody knows who really won that major, <laughs> 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 at least until the 12th hole. Um, but at any rate, you know, one of the biggest surprises for me at least, and I'd love your take on this is, you know, Jason day playing as well as he did in all four majors. And Chris uh, listeners, Chris and I were just talking before we started recording, we've done zero preparation for this phone call. So (laughs) just bear with us, but Chris, I've got a golf digest uh, article up here um, from our, uh, our buddy, Alex Myers talking about exactly just how well, Jason Day played in all four majors, yet he didn't come across or didn't come out with any of the, the titles. I mean, what was your synopsis or, or your, uh, I don't know, feelings about how Jason Day played this year, having not won a major but playing so well in each? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Rory truther, so um, I'm always kind of in that in that that debate about whose best is the best. I'm always Rory because um, I mean, if he could putt, man, he'd He'd be something, yeah. but uh, but I mean, like you said, Jason Day, he's he's kind of the first guy that when, I mean, not the first guy, but the latest guy that I kind of think like, I mean, when Jason Day's got it, he's there, and I think the part that differentiate differentiates Day from Rory, um, and then probably I think if you're ranking them, Low Day, Spieth are guys who can figure out a way to kind of scrape it around and make make a, a 75 into a 70 something like that, uh, keep them keep themselves in in it for another day to kind of that, that what is it the water boy with, with uh because we have to fight another day we have to fight another day and, <laughs> and jason day i mean he he scrapes it around if he doesn't have his stuff he he makes his birdies on on the par fives and kind of holds it together until he can get on the range figure something out um and then i think i mean so i mean i think it's just a just testament to his his grit that's a little cliche, uh, God, especially we're just, given we're just spraying hashtags um, all over the place. Yeah, it, it's this is this is like podcast sauce, just the cliches and narratives and <laughs> stuff that we're throwing out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, but 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 honestly though, his 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 willingness or ability to kind of hold around together with with duct tape and chicken wire um, is pretty impressive. And I think that's what kind of because, like I said, the the statistic and like inability to get yourself to play so well four times. Uh, four days out of a out of every month or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, twelve days out of the year. It's just it's a it's a it's an insane ability to be able to do that, and he proved that he's able to do that. That's why he's got a three point lead over 
almost three point lead over DJ in the world rankings is the number one player in the world. So uh, it's it's I don't think it's a, a Ricky Fowler top five every major like he did two years ago, uh, and then not show up the following year. I think he's just going to keep building on it. And you know, to your point from earlier, I mean, it's just it's it just speaks to how great of a run Jason Day is having. It's 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 Tiger esque in a way. I mean, when you when you play the four majors. 12 shots better than anybody else cumulatively. I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, and, and the first two players on that list of how they performed in all four majors were Day and Spieth, two guys that you expect to be in the top there. I believe Rory was probably pretty close up there as well. But it just speaks to, you know, how hard it is to win a major. And, and I, your point is well taken. I mean, I, I think sometimes we have to take a step back and really realize that you've only got four chances a year to do this. And the people that can do do it multiple times deserve to be considered legends in this game. And, I mean, hell, Phil Mickelson had, what, one of the top five major performances ever and still didn't win? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. It's the most ridiculous thing that I think I've heard this season. But at any rate, you know, all of this has now concluded. We've got four major championships just kind of went by us in a blur, obviously, because we've got the Olympics coming up. And then ultimately we're going to have the Ryder Cup after the FedEx Cup playoffs. But, you know, let's kind of transition a little bit into that Ryder Cup conversation. And as I already mentioned earlier, Dustin Johnson finds himself in the one position for the USA team, followed closely by Jordan Spieth and Philly Mick. Fig Jam at three. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's yeah. just incredible to me. Yeah, I mean, Phil, I think Phil's season has been a little bit underrated. It's kind of like he, he started up the season like really, really well. I mean, now you remember he he lost to everybody, the people's champion, Von Taylor, at AT&T. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had to get up and down from the, from just off the front of 18 at Pebble Beach. And who would, who would you pick in the world of golf to get up and down besides Tiger right now with, with how well he's chipping? But Phil, just in front of the green, um, up and down to, to win it, and he can't can't hold a six footer. Von Taylor comes in, steals it. Um, I mean, it's it's he had a great beginning of the season, a little bit of a lull in between, um, and then obviously you mentioned. Uh, I think Jake Nichols is on the No Laying Up podcast, kind of breaking down the statistical anomaly that was Phil losing that major. Um, I think. According to his his research, it was Tiger at Pebble in 2000 was the best major performance in in reference to the field. Uh, then then Stenson obviously and Phil was third. So out of out of the top three majors, I think his stats go back to 83 or 73 something like that. Whatever it is, um, the third best major performance doesn't win the major, which is it's insane. Uh, I think it, it takes a lot of pressure off Davis Love having to pick somebody like Phil. Obviously, Phil is all about this stuff and. Uh, uh, I don't really buy into kind of the the narrative about how uh, too much scar tissue builds up. I think for some guys, the, the passion's there. I mean, even Furyk, uh, it might be a little bit of blasphemy. I think, I mean, Furyk obviously cares about this stuff. Um, I understand the, the, the want and the need for the influx of the new blood, but I think there's there's something to be said for a guy like Phil, uh, who's, especially since he's playing well, obviously third in the Ryder Cup, stand, the Ryder Cup standings at this point. He's playing great golf, um, and he's got the passion the experience. Um, I think he's he's a great person to have kind of locked in now and then can kind of act uh, in his vice captain role um, to help out with, with, with the picks and the other guys who are kind of on the bubble uh, as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be crazy watching these guys, you know, just 
grasping for every final Ryder Cup point that they can. And obviously double points are no longer with PGA Championship having concluded. And after Phil on this list, we've got Jimmy Walker, of course, with his win at the PGA. He's, he's boosted himself up uh, considerably, and I think he'd be a fine addition to that team. Uh, but then we've got Brooks Kepka uh, looking to make uh, his debut appearance at the Ryder Cup. He, another underrated year, I feel. Yeah, Brooks is he's kind of he's interesting. I know I mean obviously he's been fighting this uh this ankle injury and hopefully uh Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote a great piece today for ESPN.com about um Brooks has kind of proven himself whether or not uh he can he can actually physically play to kind of continue to earn his way onto the team. He's proven himself with with this top 10 finish that he had this week at the PGA basically playing on one leg. Um and all of it was for a major and because of the implications for the Ryder Cup was kind of what what he told uh, the media. So, um, he's, he's another young guy. He's perfect, perfect setup for, for a course like Hazeltine, which is huge. Um, they can kind of tip it out for him and let him just go to work there on, uh, Soren Keltson or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, and he's, he's kind of that kind of guy, um, another little snippet in that, that Van Valkenburg story, uh, had Brooks talking about, um, last year's PGA at St. Andrews when he was kind of the guy who told the, uh, the, the officials that he wasn't going to play, uh, in that kind of windstorm on that Saturday that ended up getting called until his ball stopped moving. And the guy was like, come on, you got, I mean, I'm a sir, I think is what he said. You need to res- respect me and address me as such. And he said, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing my ball until it stops moving. And uh, I mean, for that, I mean, I've admittedly been a little bit of kind of like, let's see something from Brooks. Obviously he's shown us some stuff, but I want to see some sustained kind of good golf from him uh, before I kind of, Hitch my wagon, if you will. Yeah, but yeah. but uh, I kind of, that 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 little nugget from Van Valkenburg kind of got me on, got me on uh, Team Brooks all the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like you, man. I need I need to see a little something from him, but that I had not heard that story before, and that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look up that that, that story that uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote today. It was it's a great it's a great piece. It's basically just saying uh, he proved himself. Let him rest and get his ankle good. For Hazeltine, he's earned his way on, um, regardless if he makes it on points. Oh, uh, that's that's awesome. And so then to round out the the top eight so far, uh, right now we've got Zach Johnson after Brooks. We've got J.B. Holmes, kind of a surprise to me. And then uh, finally Brent Snedeker. Uh, right outside the bubble is Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed, Matt Kuchar, and Ricky Fowler. I, I have to think that those four guys make the team. No, if you had to be, uh, th- those have to be the four that make it. It's almost like it's too easy right now. Um, I mean, you want Bubba there. You're not leaving Reed anywhere. Reed, Reed might. Reed's already there. I was gonna say Reed's in Minnesota this week. He might, he might be excommunicated from the country or deported from the country or request deportation if he doesn't get on the team. But he's he's an absolute killer. He's I would I ride for Patrick Reed any day of the week. I love him. Yes. Future, uh, I know he technically. Hashtag LCPCP or whatever the Tron says, lax pop can't play. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he's solid. Uh, you need a guy like that. I mean, you got Zach. Zach and Kuchar can be your uh, your little doubles team on in ping pong. And then uh, look at Steelio Pointer, too. And then Fowler. I don't think there's any way Fowler's not making the team. I think it's too easy right now for Davis to, to – no, it's too hard to mess up. It's a better way to say it. Scott Pearson, Phil Haas, Dirk McGirt. Um, I mean, there's just some guys there that, I mean, Haas intrigues me. I, I think he's a little underrated in terms of kind of the grand scheme, but I don't see who you take 
Bill Haas over out of the, that force and just outside of uh, the automatic eight. Yeah, it's it's it, you're right. It is too easy at this point. I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. Let's bring him on board. Have Tiger drive some people around or whatever the hell he's going to do in the vice captain role or whatever he's doing. And uh, then we take a look at the the Euro side. And you know, I'm looking at this list, Chris, and I, with, with the exception of Rory and Stenson, nothing, nobody here really sparks any fear in me. We've got Rory McIlroy. We've got Danny Willett at two. We got uh, good old Henrik at three. Chris Wood. Andy Sullivan, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello, and then Soren, I don't even know how to say his last name. Is it Nelson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that eight? I mean, that's it. Like, what do you, who, who's going to beat anybody on our team? I don't, I don't see it. I mean, looking at it, you'd, you'd think Stenson's kind of their, their horse now. You got Sergio, uh, Justin Rose over there on the world points. Um, they are, I mean, they're kind of, Sergio's literally, that's, that is his major every two years. The guy who the guy who scares me is Rob Cabrera. I think he is a stud. Um, I just, I mean, besides that though, I mean Matthew Fitzpatrick, hashtag nice player. Andy Sullivan, same way. Chris Wood, solid. That's fine. Um, but like you said, I think USA top to bottom is a better team. But then again, you think about it, when is USA top to bottom? I mean, not a better team, with, that, with the exception of what 06. and uh, the only guy they had that year was was Brett Wetter, my guy, who lives down the street. <laughs> Lives down the street from me, so we're not, there's no bashing of Brett Wetterick here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the USA is is a it's just a matter of uh, I think getting the guys, some of the older veteran kind of guys who who want who are are literally chopping at the bit to win this thing, get some fresh blood in there, some guys who kind of came up or are a little closer to their amateur days of more match play, that kind of stuff. The guys like Pat Reed uh, and Spieth and um, Brooks, even though he's been like repeatedly snubbed i think he's he's solid now with with that great showing of the uh, at baltus roll so i think i think this is i think god this is a year question mark i don't know yeah it might be i i don't know i mean it's just it's been so long and i think looking at this list for the euros uh, i gotta say keimer makes it i gotta say westwood gets a gets a nod sergio like you said and then from there i mean i don't know you go with Justin Rose. He's 26th on the list. Uh, you could pretty much, with the exception of Rory, Stenson, and uh, Rafa, you could probably field just an entire team of Englishmen <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you got, I mean, Thunder Bear's down there. He's made a little resurgence this year. Victor Dubisson, he's always fun to look at and watch him play from wherever he's doing. He's he's an underrated club breaker, Dubisson. He's... <laughs> <laughs> He's no Stenson, but he he runs hot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I it's just I still just think they they got that solid core. They got Rory Willett's a lock, Stenson's a lock, Sergio's not being left off. He's on there. I mean, Rose is on the on the world points. He's fifth. So I think just I mean, with with how their their uh, qualifications set up, he's he's either going to make it on points or he's going to be right there. That I don't think Darren Clark's going to leave him off. He's kind of that same way. I just. I think Ryder Cup and Justin Rose. I just have a flashback to Medina. Um, same with same deal with Keimer. Keimer, he's playing some sneaky good golf uh, yeah. recently. So I mean, he's 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 a he's a machine. Stenson's a machine. It's kind of hard to see them kind of uh, really showing that much emotion, but you get it coming from Justin Ryder Cups. It's a little bit uh, out of character and bizarre, but 
pretty cool to see, actually, uh, if they weren't beating America's ass every time. <laughs> true that, true that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. Chris Cheney. You can follow him on Twitter at wrong underscore fairway. You can read his, his golf writings and, and opinions on Swing by Swing Golf. Um, that's the address, right? Swingbyswing.com? Is that's uh, the, yeah, that's that's the, kind of the, the front page. The, the, the whole site's golf.swingbyswing. Gotcha. Golf.swing swingbyswing.com go check them out chris uh like i said before we were uh recording we got to try to get you back on at least more than once a year the last time we spoke was almost literally a year ago today so uh we'll try to get you back on around the uh the playoff time here how about that sounds great adam whenever you need me i'm here awesome and folks we will be back next week uh possibly with another guest but uh, again if you've got any golf brands products or services that you want to spread the word about feel free to reach out to me you can follow me on twitter at golf unfiltered send me an email adam at golf until next time this is your buddy adam signing off <laughs>